You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with Travis Ryer on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. This is Southern Fried Sports with Bama Online Senior Analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. It is 11 a.m. on a beautiful Monday morning here in Tuscaloosa. I am Jacob Harrison filling in for the one and only Travis Ryer. Here on Tide 100.9, your home for Alabama Crimson Tide Sports. As always, Southern Fried Sports is brought to you by Peter Brook Chocolate Tier 205-752-0211. As a father, you will. Do your father proud on Father's Day this coming Sunday by simply getting something chocolate from Peterbrook Chocolate Tier. But hey, they've got all sorts of things going on. Handprints for dads, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays from 12 to 2 p.m. Chocolate day camps, Tuesdays and Thursdays from 1 to 3 p.m. Bring your own bottle, gelato and frozen treats, and father Father's Day gifts on the daily as well. So go check them out uh, that there on... Uh, McFarland Boulevard, just as you're crossing over into Northport, give them a call at 205-752-0211. Peterbrook, chocolatier here in Tuscaloosa. Well, if I'm over here, then that would mean that Mason Woods, who is uh, with us on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, is hanging out with us in the production studio. So today, he and I do combine to form the 60-Minute Man of Sports Talk Radio. So, Mason What's going on, man? What like what 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 are we gonna do today for for a whole hour? You know, uh, I don't know what we're gonna do today. <laughs> there was a, it was a pretty stacked week last week. You know, we had that saving extension come through. We had the uh, twelve team format uh, get it get a uh, proposed. So, you know, we may maybe we can just try to rely on some things from last week <laughs> to talk about a little bit. Hey, that, that's how it goes around here until something pressing does in fact break. Uh, so for, for anybody that may have, uh, not tuned in to any of my incoherent ramblings, uh, Friday night or Saturday morning, that is kind of the general space that I will sit in, uh, is, is the 12 team expansion of the playoffs. I think I've been pretty open for the past two years on, on these airwaves that that is something that I'm, that I've believed wholeheartedly that coupled with NIL, that coupled with the transfer portal rule, and eventually uh, a little bit more organization and how schedules are produced, that college football can begin to repair what has been for a long time a broken system. And the, you know, the opinions of, of Jacob Harrison do not represent those of Southern Fried Sports. But nonetheless, 
I feel very confidently that that this is nothing but a positive, and I feel very confidently that at the end, the end of the day, the NCAA will never do anything to harm its products. It doesn't, it doesn't go out of its way to harm March Madness. <clears throat> it doesn't go out of its way to harm college baseball. It doesn't go out of its way to harm college softball. It makes the most influential decision that it can to assist its own pocketbooks. It has no other choice in the matter, excuse me, to uh, to get that done. It makes total sense for them to continue to do these things that pad their pocketbooks. And at the end of the day, regardless of all the, the talk that we could possibly go into, all the discourse that we could possibly go into, and you could, of course, join the conversation here on Southern Front Sports, 205-342-9904. And I get that. We can talk about all the negatives and positives for the game itself. We can talk about all the negatives and positives for the networks, uh, for the players, for the coaches, yada, 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 yada. The integrity of the sport, the integrity of the, of the greatest regular season in sports, whatever. I understand that despite discussing all that, that this in turn is for the NCAA to make itself more money for ESPN and the other networks to make themselves more money. And while that's the crux of the problem at the top for the players is that they're being taken advantage of in those ways, you cannot blame them. That is the nature of this, of, of the country. That is the nature of the world that we live in. You got to go out and go get yours. Now, same, same deal though is coupling all these things together improves things for the athletes on a grander scale than, than not. Uh, they, they have more freedom and more, more opportunities to, to create chances for themselves to do what they feel they need to do to further their athletic careers. And at the end of the day, they deserve that. I, I don't know why we get, why anybody would get caught up in the idea of, of order and discipline when it comes to an 18-year-old making a four-year decision and just because he plays a sport or she plays a sport, she's signing a lifetime contract to be immortalized at that university and nothing else can change that. I'm not behind that. I went to three different universities over the course of eight years. Like, Why, why do I have different advantages over that just because I didn't play ball? Like, That doesn't add up. They're human beings at the end of the day, and that's the way that I've always felt when it comes to this sort of thing is allow them to be human beings, allow them to go out and do their thing. But in the same breath as that, I feel like one of the most important conversations is one that that is difficult to come to and understand of what should be done, what can be done, or is it one of those things where we're just going to let it go? And that is the fact that the national champion of the 2023 season, as it stands right now, will have played 17 football games at minimum. And I'm not crazy about that. And while I could definitely sit here and say, well, then just don't play the the cupcake warm-up game against Mercer, don't play the cupcake game against Southern Miss, don't play the cupcake game against New Mexico State, 
or whoever, you know, is coming in to get blown out by 60 and get a paycheck, you can very easily say, yeah, that well, you know, just don't play those games. It's not that easy because of the networks, the universities, and all those other people vying for the money that comes from those things. And and that's fair and that's understandable. But at the end of the day, at what point is, is too many games too many games? That is something that, that I do wholeheartedly agree with on the traditional size is because if we're really going to talk about player safety, we can't ask these kids, these, these, these young men to, to go out and play 17 games. You can't do it. They're going to. <laughs> so you shouldn't do it. But I can't get on board with it uh, mentally right now. Now, facts being what they are, in 2023, when the playoffs get underway and they start getting into the games, the playoffs run their course, we name a national champion, the last thing that will be on my mind is the fact that they just played 17 games. Last thing I'll think about. Because... For me, there's the justification of we just watched 11 incredible football games. Uh, we, we just watched history in the making. We just watched opportunities be given to those that, that before had not had them. And I appreciate that on that surface level, but there's still the factor that, and, and even when they, they do start getting NIL and they're, these players are being compensated for their time and effort. It's not enough for the 17 games. There's something, and, and nothing is finalized with this pack, with this college football playoff 12-team expansion. Nothing's finalized. But you have got to figure out and formulate an op, a, a, a plan that offsets the fact that these kids have to play so many games. I, I'll, I'll argue that if you're going to stay, then that's fine because you're only asking the best of the best to go play 17 games. It's not like you're asking all 130 teams. And when you're doing that, oftentimes you're asking that of the, of the players that will eventually be going on to the NFL where their regular season is 17 games. So you, you might have an opportunity to, to justify it that way. Uh, and the fact that, you know, the Coastal Carolinas and Cincinnati's of the world, if they're not prepared to play 17 games and they're not prepared to, to win a national championship, if you're not prepared to play those 17 games, you're not prepared to be that good. You're not prepared to be in that situation. And in turn, it's supposed to be difficult for the lower seeds to go on and win a championship. That being said, as we saw with Arkansas, with NC State, in, in uh, college baseball, that's the point of a playoff is to allow advancement to, to see who can capitalize in that moment. It's not all about the regular season. The regular season doesn't lose value because the postseason gains value. Otherwise, we wouldn't have postseasons in literally every other sport. We would just do what they used to do and just say, oh, you guys look pretty good. You're the champions. Which is how some of these arguments sound is – well, we did all this. We did. We beat X, Y, and Z by X, Y points, and we deserve it. When in reality, you have your schedule, and it's completely different from somebody else's schedule, and that's why you meet in the playoffs to determine who is the best of the teams that were able to dominate their schedules. That's what the regular season is for. 
if you still lose two or three games, you're still in a in a state of not being able to wholly figure out where you're going. 205-342-9904. That's the number to call. You can always join the show. That way we can discuss this and so many other topics, whatever's on your mind. I'm I'm free to answer any questions concerning Alabama Crimson Tide football, basketball, whatever it may be. We'll figure it out. We'll uh, discuss it right here on Southern Fried Sports on Tide 100.9, your home for Alabama Crimson Tide Sports. Alabama football countdown clock is driven by Crawford Insurance, Tuscaloosa's low-cost auto insurer. Call 752-6489 for a free quote today. There are there are there are 82 days until Alabama football. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Partly to mostly sunny and hot this afternoon. Just a few isolated showers or storms through the evening hours. The high today, 92. Tonight's low, 70. Tomorrow and Wednesday, a good supply of sunshine both days. The high tomorrow, 93. Wednesday's high at 89. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 84 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Tide 100.9. For more coverage of Alabama football, visit us at Tide100.9.com or download the free Tide 100.9 app. The Crimson Tide will not be denied. We're back for more on Southern Fried Sports here on Tide 100.9. You're home for Alabama Crimson Tide Sports. Not a lot going on in the offseason. It's been a pretty slow offseason for the most part. Uh, we'll dive into to some of the news that did happen over the weekend for the Crimson Tide. Uh, but, you know, it's hard to find anything of, of, of true impact this time of year. So you kind of dive into more analysis and and you know the mount rushmore talks and all those sorts of things on sports radio uh but you can also find varying degrees of interest among the sports community in in what they partake in to help get them through the offseason and one of the things that i do a lot usually during the offseason of football is play a lot of football video games it's what i've always done how else do you satiate that that ridiculously long time period where there is no football on the television screen. And traditionally, you know, that's bad in NFL football. You don't have any other choice. Kind of is what it is. Well, this year, you know, news has been a little bit slow on what's going on with Madden and, you know, all the other little details won't get too crazy into them. I know not everybody's a massive fan, but the reason I bring it up is because, uh, back in February, it was, rumored that it would be Derrick Henry as the cover athlete of the next iteration of Madden NFL, Madden 22. And why wouldn't you? He wears 22. The past two seasons, he's led the NFL in rushing yards. Last year, he ran for 2,000. And Madden's going to go with the the number two thing, but it isn't going to be Derrick Henry. 
it's basically been all but confirmed within the past couple of days that that it's not going to be Derrick Henry. But today was the first time that Madden's really said anything, or EA Sports has said anything about the Madden video game. And it appears they're going to put two goats on the cover this year. Who might those two goats be? Well, that's the big mystery. They'll reveal that on Thursday, and it'll be fun or whatever. Uh, Mason, you and I are both big video games guys. You, you and I both play Madden every single year, whether we enjoy the game or not. Tell me it's not going to be Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes. I'm afraid that I can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Is there any other combination of, of goats? I, one goat was bigger than the other, so it like it leans in even more that it's Brady and Mahomes. But uh, yeah, it's I mean, it's gonna be them. It's going to we be. We can't we can't like squeeze in Jerry Rice or Walter Payton. Yeah, maybe the goats thing. I guess. I just I I'm I, come on. Derrick Henry wears number twenty two. <laughs> like, what else do you want, EA? Question though. Vince Young was once on the cover. Vince Young did, in fact display traits of said Madden curse. You really sure you wanted Derrick Henry back on there? There's been players that have broken the Madden curse. <laughs> and Mahomes avoided it. Yeah. Uh, I, think I think Lamar avoided it, didn't he? I think so, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I think Brady himself actually avoided it. There's yeah. been people so to do it. Maybe that's why they're going right back to Mahomes and Brady's because they both avoided the curse. Maybe. Either way, not a fan of it. No, not not a fan of of recycling guys within a few years. I've never done that before. I don't think anybody's ever been on the cover twice, right? Not that I can think of off the top of my head. Um, I think if it was going to be anybody, it would have it, it would have been Tom Brady, and I don't think he's been on two. So no, he's only been on the one. Yeah, painful, 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 painful. Speaking of of likeness, though. I mean, and and on that same vein, you know, we will one day soon get EA Sports College Football, so we'll uh, be able to to play with all of our favorite Alabama Crimson Tide players. Yeah! Very, very awesome that Kool-Aid McKinstry is the official name of Jaquincy McKinstry in the roster on RollTide.com. And it, it it's really already a, a, a bit of a uh, blossom you know, to this NIL thing where he's going to be able to take advantage of the fact that his nickname is Kool-Aid. Uh, whether or not that's immediate, because I'm not even sure he's going to be the starting cornerback. Uh, I'm still pretty confident that's Jalen Armour Davis, opposite of Josh Job. But McKinstry's going to be on the field. He's going to get playing time. He is that good. Uh, it, it is not all hype and pomp and circumstance with Kool-Aid McKinstry. He is legitimately that good. Uh, if you watched just a handful of reps a day that you'd understand that. Uh, but it, it, it does make it kind of interesting. We had this discussion on Saturday morning showdown eight from eight to 11 on Saturday mornings. Uh, me and Joe Gaither did about which players are the most marketable for the Alabama Crimson Tide. And, and I mean, right out the gate, I, he caught so much traction on on social media because of the, the the off chance that some random guy took a screenshot of his name in the roster and he was 
everywhere. People already calling him Hall of Famer, saying it was just a genius move, you know, to go ahead and get, you know, sign a contract with Kool-Aid. It all works out. It's genius. He could not he could not start his his career as a as a college athlete where he can make money any better. I mean, it, and a lot of guys at Alabama are like quiet, you know what I mean? Like the outside noise isn't present because everybody's like, yeah, it's Alabama. Like they have freaks over there. We're just not going to talk about them and just let them do their thing. And it's whatever, you know, like I feel like not enough people talk about Will Anderson, you know, and it, it, it feels like there's this slow awakening to what Will Anderson is. And the same with Evan Neal. How, how, so many people are so hesitant to like throw him into the top of the, the left tackle class and instead are like, well, you know, he could play all the other positions really good. We just haven't seen him play left tackle. It's like, we look for all these different reasons to, to question guys, whether or not they can get it done. And for once we've got a guy who steps in as a freshman and the whole world instantly knows his name. And, and, and that's got to instantly put you right at the top as far as marketability within this program as we inch closer and closer to name image and likeness being opened up. And I mean, can you blame him? <laughs> Cause this, this is a massive turnover spot spot for, for Alabama. All of these big names are out the door for Alabama. Najee Harris was a massive name. Vontae Smith, Jalen Waddle, uh, Mac Jones built a huge name for himself, but Landon Dickerson, all of these guys, uh, were were huge, huge names. The defensive names have been uh, a little bit quiet here lately. Patrick Satan wasn't a guy that generated a lot of noise, but everybody understood he was that that good. Uh, but I mean, in basketball, with Herb Jones and John Petty leaving at the same time, you know, this is massive turnover spot. Uh, honestly, the the best athlete on campus is. Probably a three-way race between Will Anderson, Evan Neal, and Montana Fouts. But McKinstry is probably the most well-known player on this campus because of one day of social media. And and now he's able to, to take advantage of that as we get into NIL. And that's what's super special about this whole thing. Speaking of the basketball team, though, uh, you know, I ran a poll the other night. Uh, on my Off the Edge Twitter account, at Off the Edge 100, 109. Uh, and, you know, it was a little premature. Because apparently track and field was still going as I was typing the tweet. And uh, so people let me know about that. I messed up. This is my bad. I didn't know. Can't, can't blame me for not knowing that track and field wasn't going on. I don't control the fact that they get absolutely no media coverage at all. Yeah, I don't really think that one's on you. Yeah, uh, I mean, you know, I'm just defending myself. You know, I hate the fact that they don't get enough media attention to the point where that happens. That's terrible. Uh, but I, I did. I asked the question that since college athletics for Alabama was completely done, and it wasn't. It is now, uh, but it wasn't. Which sport you were most looking forward to? as we head into the new season and uh, gotta say was wildly surprised. I, I, I mean, football, men's basketball, softball, and other were the answer options. And of course, uh, you know, other was dead last softball was in a distant third, but football and men's basketball tied at 45 and 45.6% a piece. 
and it's 240 votes. Like it's not like a massive, 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 you know, population there, but it's still a good quality size of, of Alabama fans. And uh, enough people are that excited for men's basketball. Uh, I mean, JD Davison, he's got to bring a lot of hype with him too, much in the same way. Uh, unfortunately, James Rojas did suffer a torn ACL over the weekend. Hopefully he can, uh, if, you know, get better and, and hopefully be back in time for uh, the latter parts of the season next year. But still, I when you're when you're looking at, at this men's basketball team, despite losing some serious firepower in John Wall or in John Wall, <laughs> John Petty, uh, and and Herb Jones, then you're you're feeling pretty good still. That's impressive, and, and, and that's that's a big hats off. To Nate Oates and and even still the fact that that with James Rojas on the sideline, he's a good player, uh, you know, and, and he certainly plays his role on the team. But you know, it's not enough to make you too terribly concerned that this is going to you know derail the season in any way. This is something that they can overcome. What will matter though is to stave off the injuries. You know, just because you can survive Rojas being out for the first three quarters of the season, uh. Hopefully, hopefully, you know, he's he's able to come back, you know, mid to late season. Then, you know, you you, you got to keep the injuries down because that was something that that was not friendly to Alabama during their run there late in the season. We'll take a break. We'll come back for more Southern Fried Sports here on Tide 100.9. You're home for Alabama sports. You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with BamaOnline.com senior analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. We're back for more Southern Fried Sports here on Tide 100.9, your home for Alabama sports. I'm Jacob Harrison, the normal producer of the show and host of my own show, Off the Edge, Mondays and Fridays from 7 to 9, and the Saturday morning showdown with Bryant Horn on Saturdays from 8 to 11 a.m. You can always join us there. You can call into the show, 205-342-9904 on the Peter Brook Chocolatier Hotline, and uh you know, whatever direction you want to go in, whether it's college football playoff expansion, uh, the upcoming football season, whatever, whatever you want to go, uh, completely open to you. And the phone lines are completely open as well. 205-342-9904. Got to say, uh, Friday night, went out to a birthday party at uh, Shindig, had a lot of fun, uh, ate some good food. Number one, first of all, I am not the athletic specimen I once was. Uh, I would say that 10 minutes of laser tag killed me, but in reality, three minutes of laser tag killed me, and the last seven, I don't know what was going on with my mortal body. It it wasn't functioning correctly. Listen, (laughs) it was me and, and eight other folks, seven of which are dog bathers, they're my wife's co-workers 
you know, like none of us are particularly athletic at all. Uh, and then one of the other spouses that was a man, you know, he, he was hyped up on a bang energy drink or something. I, he was running around like a madman and was insanely accurate, but was like 500 points ahead of the, of the person that, that came in second. I came in sixth and I was the least accurate shooter of anyone. Mason, are you surprised you played Warzone with me? Well, well, well. I mean, I don't even think I've ever actually played laser tag. I don't know. How does it, I mean, uh, do, you, do you have to lead your shots? How does it work? No, I mean, just just aim at the the lights on the chest How do you the, miss? The back. You're not even shooting a real projectile. How do you miss? Well, it, it still registers if you shoot and you don't, you don't, you know, hit their vest or whatever, but the the thing that killed me and nobody else in our group had to had to understand this cuz i was considerably taller than everybody there were no obstacles or walls or anything that i could just stand behind like there well, some w- would say and this is this is just some people some would say that laser tag is intended for children perhaps perhaps so. but it's also <laughs> intended for intoxicated young adults that's true and <laughs> I, I, it sounds like a place I gotta go. I've never, oh, I've no. never had the joy of playing laser tag. That was something I was robbed of as a child. Right. No, that was my first time ever playing laser tag. Uh, but within the first three minutes of just crouching and moving a little bit quicker than usual was was exhausting. So by the end, it, like I'm just walking, I'm lumbering around, just praying for the time to run out. And uh, no, yeah. My, I was not much longer for Shindig, but you know, it was a lot of fun though. Uh, they've got bowling there and the arcade, and they've got axe throwing too, which was uh, a, a tad bit too expensive for the night that we had already had. Uh, but certainly something I would be interested in doing is is tossing an axe. But uh, I say all that to say, someone who did work on their cardio and was evidence, and I got to see it while I was at Shindig. Uh, was former Alabama linebacker Eric Andrews, who uh, was victorious at UFC 263 Saturday night in Glendale, Arizona. He had a rematch with Darren Stewart, who uh, the last time they fought in March of 2020, Andrews clipped Stewart with an illegal knee while Stewart was on the ground. Fight ends in a no contest. Down the road, they... You know, agree to a rematch. Anders at the middleweight class at 185 looked better. Uh, now it was a slower fight. It went the full distance. It was a unanimous decision that Anders won the fight. But there was a lot of concern based off of how slow and uh, you know the pace of the action wasn't really there. But the judges felt that that Andrews was in control of the fight throughout, and he did finish strong. You know, he he, uh, was able to get a mounted position and get in some ground and pound late to uh, seal down the third round. But that brings his record to 14-5 and and shows that, uh, you know, he's got to stack some wins now. He was on a two-loss skid. You you, you can't find yourself at two, three, four-loss skids in the UFC, or you'll find a... uh, a hard, hard time of advancing through. Uh, but nonetheless, you know, he talked about how, you know, 
he goes from having to be in a position where he makes a strip sack in the national championship, helps seal the victory for Alabama in 2009 against Texas in the Rose Bowl, to being a janitor and then having to figure out how to get into this fighting world. And now he's starting to find his success, starting to, to rack up some wins. He is improving as a fighter. Uh, he's not just taking his lumps and kind of dealing with the situation, went in with his game plan, and he executed. And and I got to say, number one, UFC is just fun to watch, period. If you can you know, just, just soak in the prelims uh, before a big fight and then follow the rest on social media, unless you're somewhere where you know it's already paid for, I wouldn't recommend buying it. That's just me. Sometimes main events are only five seconds long. Uh, speaking of which, there was a kid at UFC 263, uh, got a knockout in five seconds, jumped up on the cage, landed back in the octagon, and appeared to tweak his knee and and possibly tore his ACL. I don't, I don't know. I haven't seen an update on it. I don't know his name, so I can't, like, search it up. But That's like, so funny. Like, I feel terrible for him, obviously. Right. But, like, oh, man. <laughs> Do you, know, do you remember a few years ago in the NFL when there was, like, a plague of guys tearing their ACLs because they were trying to all jump up and do the Cristiano Ronaldo celebration where he kind of spins in the air and, like, lands on his feet? But the way really? that he lands, he lands with his feet just kind of stretched out and it puts a lot of pressure on your knees. And Cristiano Ronaldo, you know, he's like 6'2", six, 6'3", six, but he only weighs like a buck fifty. You know, you got a 6'5", 285-pound defensive lineman going out there to do it. And they had, like, five people in the NFL tear their ACLs or something in, like, four Good or five Lord. weeks. It is wild how the slightest turn uh, will will completely derail your season, but especially when it comes to these celebrations. I mean, we've seen guys flip into the end zone or do flips after they score or whatever. Uh, probably the most hilarious one I've ever seen, though, uh, was the uh, what what Gus Perot when he was with the Washington football team. Uh, this is very early on in his career when it was when you know there was still the the potential for him to be an elite starting quarterback or whatever, and uh, he scores a rushing touchdown, not something you know routinely in his repertoire, and uh, runs up to the side padding on the wall and headbutts it, and gives himself a concussion and was out for the rest of the game, and I believe missed the next game and, and kind of began to derail the Washington football team season that year. That's a football guy right there. <laughs> yes. It, it kind of derailed Gus Perot's entire career, too. Uh, he was a perfectly fine backup quarterback for most of his career. But, yeah, you got to be careful with the sellies, man. You remember Elijah Moore, you know, after the Egg Bowl a couple years ago. Oh, yeah. So celebration will get you. Oh, yeah. Hey, those dudes, I, it, it, there's nothing funnier than watching somebody get in trouble for a celebration or getting hurt on a celebration. Anything where they're acting like a total jackass and they get made fun of for it. Absolutely. Let's go out to the Peterbrook Chocolate Tear Hotline and welcome in Pat. Pat, what's going on, man? Man, did Alabama oh, get a commitment that is going to make our punting unit better? Uh, I mean, uh, from what I understand, the Troy guy is supposed to be bringing in right at forty-six yards a punt average. Uh, what yeah. is what? What is this Australian rules guy bringing in? Must be better than that, or coach wouldn't have took him. Well, yes and no. I mean, rugby guys generally are are more about field position by controlling the bounces of the football rather than hang time and those sorts of things. 
Uh, I mean, I would have to look into him a little bit more, but I, I really like the Jack Martin kid. I think Jack Martin, uh, the kid from Troy, is he's already set up to be the backup this year uh, as far as place kicking goes and as far as kickoffs go, and he should win the, the starting punting job. There's no doubt in my mind that he doesn't have an opportunity. If he doesn't get it this year, then after Charlie Scott does retire – or retire – after yeah. Charlie Scott does graduate, then you know you feel perfectly fine there. But yeah. as far as this Aussie kid, uh, well, I, I wouldn't anticipate too much right out of the gate. Yeah, well, he, but he's six foot six. That has a lot to do. You're not going to take him uh, uh, centered over his head. Right. And, but the but the thing about it, with these uh, Australian rules punters, is most of them are running out to the side. They don't kick the ball straight on. They're running left or running right, and you're kicking the ball on the run, and the ball, the way the ball hits, it continues to roll and roll and right, roll right. and roll. Well, that that all comes down to whether or not he kicks that way or if he uh, kicks traditionally. Now, being six foot six, if he kicks traditionally and, uh, and you know, he's athletic enough to get a lot of rise on his leg, then I I, mean, I would feel pretty confidently that, that his hang time should be pretty good. Now, I mean, the rest of it has to come together. Being six foot six doesn't automatically make you a, a great punter or anything. But, exactly. But, but either way, I mean, it still, either way, he should be able to find something that, that works for him. But for, for right now, for me, Jack Martin's already proven, and I've seen what he can do, whereas with the Aussie kid, there's not a lot out there. Um, I don't know that. I, I don't know if he's ever played an actual uh, – uh, a down, but uh, but hey, we're gonna no, I, I mean, but this guy, how in the world are they giving him four and a half stars? I mean, is that legit? Uh, you've never seen a punter with four and a half stars. Come on. I mean that that's what pro kicker wants to give him. I don't, I don't know how you come up with four and a half stars for a punter either, uh, especially somebody that hasn't played. Yeah. We'll see. It's an exciting time for Alabama football. All right. Hey, have a blessed day, and uh, we'll talk to you uh, maybe tomorrow sometime. Thank you. All right, Pat. Take it easy, man. Uh, yeah, we'll go ahead and take a break. I, I don't know much about the Aussie punter. I don't think any of us do. I'm not I'm not going to say one way or another whether or not he's going to be, you know, the guy. But right now, my, my, my horse is, is tracked on Jack jack martin i think that that he's got the goods to to get it all done we'll take a break we'll come back and uh, begin to close her down here on southern fried sports i'm jacob harrison filling in for travis ryer right here on tide 100.9 your home for alabama crimson tide sports Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Partly to mostly sunny and hot this afternoon. Just a few isolated showers or storms through the evening hours. The high today, 92. Tonight's low, 70. Tomorrow and Wednesday, a good supply of sunshine both days. The high tomorrow, 93. Wednesday's high at 89. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 87 degrees in Tuscaloosa. The flagship station for Alabama Crimson Tide football. Alabama touchdown. Only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app.
Now, with, let's close it down with the final segment of Southern Pride Sports here on Tide 100.9, your home for Alabama Crimson Tide Sports. Today, Mason was in charge of the playlist, and he uh, put a little rage against the machine today. Is there any specific reason? Is, is it Tom Morello's birthday? Or Not that I know of. I just no. like Rage Against the Machine. Who, can you blame him? I mean, Rage is awesome. Yeah. Tom Morello's the dude. No doubt. I mean, I love Rage Against the Machine. But something that we both also love is Arch Manning. Uh, both of us are, are, are pretty firm. Uh, as far as wanting him to be the guy that takes over after Bryce Young. Uh, no disrespect to, to Ty Simpson, of course, because you know, he'll be on the roster when that happens. But uh, Arch Manning is starting to get a lot of national recognition. Of course, we've you know us and other Alabama fans and other analysts, especially those deep in recruiting, uh, have been very aware of Arch Manning for some time now. Uh, now that he's finally in high school, though, he's part of the 2023 class. He's considered the number one quarterback in that class, of course, six foot three, 200 pounds. And oh, yeah, his uncles are Peyton and Eli Manning. His uh, grandfather is Archie Manning. And uh, his father was probably the most athletic of, of all of the Mannings. So, regardless, you know, you, you feel like maybe he, he's got an opportunity to play the game in a more modern sense to what Peyton and Eli did. But nonetheless, I mean, we're seeing a lot of uh, a lot of love for this guy because of the way he's able to play the game. He's deadly accurate down the field. I mean, it, it, is, it is absolutely some of the most impressive downfield throwing I've seen from a high school quarterback ever. Usually that's something that's very difficult for them to do because they don't get the opportunity to get that timing in. Uh, regardless of, of how good you know any team might be, having the time to to get the the chemistry down between a quarterback and a wide receiver to be able to pull off deep throws uh, is not easy. But nonetheless, Arch Manning makes it look absolutely uh, absolutely seamless. But he's looking very closely at Alabama, looking very closely at Clemson. Uh, you know, he's going to look at Texas and SMU uh, next week. Uh, Georgia as well, but I, I'm not gonna lie. I, I'm not one that gets too seriously invested in recruiting and where kids go. Ultimately, they're gonna do what they want to do. I'm not, you know, I, I, I'm a firm believer in don't tweet at recruits. You know, just leave them alone, let them do their thing. Uh, you know, we saw someone over the weekend be verbally abusive to Arch Manning because of the thought that he would go to Alabama instead of LSU. I'm not like that. Not not even remotely close. Uh, if I mean, if Horace Manning goes to Auburn, like good for him, you know. Don't please, because if there is one kid that I've ever been like, come to Alabama, please. <laughs> it's it's Arch Manning. Like I just the thought of a Manning playing at Alabama after you know going to Tennessee for Peyton and coming so close, but but never getting the job done. Or going to Ole Miss for Eli, and you know you went to Ole Miss. What did you think was going to happen? But for Arch Manning to come to Alabama and potentially be uh, one of the last quarterbacks to, you know, run this thing for Nick Saban's Alabama Crimson Tide, I mean, that gets my heart racing. Like that sounds fun, and and you know, like the the weight of the world is already on that kid's shoulders, you know, in a way that. Even Trevor Lawrence didn't have to deal with. Even though Trevor Lawrence was graded a, a .99999 uh, 
five-star by 247 Sports and was always going to be the number one pick. He's always had all these expectations, you know. The pressure that, that surely Trevor Lawrence had to feel is nothing compared to what Arch Manning is having to, to deal with, I'm sure. But as he as he kind of grows into being the quarterback that he is going to be, uh, it's going to be interesting to see kind of how that thing shakes out. Uh, but I got to say, between him and uh, this uh, Davey Balfour kid down the road who's who's not even in high school yet, hasn't even taken his first snaps, already got an offer from Alabama, uh, in the 2025 class, I mean, Saban is is really it's really incredible how he can get out ahead with these quarterbacks. And you still, you know, you still find the Jalen Milrose from year to year, where you know you still feel like you've got a guy that can come in, take the process, take the take the take the chance to to sit behind and learn and and work on your craft as you prepare to be the next starting quarterback, much in the same way that Mac Jones had to. Uh, I've always said, I don't think it's necessarily a matter of patience, but more or less fighting and striving and continuing to improve to become the guy that you want to be out on the field. So, uh, But it's always interesting for me because I always kind of generally look at the quarterback position that way, whereas you can't really do it with other positions, but you're like, okay, well, this is the quarterback for the next three years. Then, then it's this guy. Then it's this guy. Then it's this guy, uh, and and it really kind of works out that way for Alabama, where you got Bryce Young for the next two years, give Paul Tyson a year, uh, then it might be Ty Simpson or Arch Manning in that spot, and then you know potentially David Balfour. Of course, all these guys have to commit, but it's always fun to kind of look at it that way and uh, and get that impression. But still, too, like it, it, if Arch does come to Alabama, Mason. Is that worse than Peyton going to Tennessee? Because Dad and Eli went to Ole Miss. Is it worse to go to Alabama and, and go to, to the best situation when Peyton and Eli didn't do it? You know, I, I think it might be. I don't know. The, just the idea of Arch Manning in an Alabama uniform just crushing the record set by his uncle, uncle, and grandfather – at other rival SEC schools is just fantastic to me. Like thinking that Alabama gets the opportunity to potentially just stomp out the beautiful seasons that Tennessee had with Peyton Manning and the great career Eli Manning had right. with Ole Miss. It's so funny to me. And every year, yeah, every year get to stomp Ole Miss and and Tennessee. Every single. It, it, it's not like when when you know when Peyton was at Tennessee he he didn't get to play Ole Miss that often if if he even ever did I don't know I mean that was back in the day I was I was a baby uh Ole Miss same way with Eli you know you didn't get to play Tennessee every year Alabama you're going to play both of them every stinking year and you're going to play LSU every stinking year so you're going to push it back on your Louisiana you know hometown folks you're going to push it back on on uncle and dad and uh granddad on Ole Miss and then push it back on your other uncle I just love the thought of it, though, because I've always been a Peyton Manning guy. Uh, I used to stand firm on the argument that Peyton was better than Tom, uh, Tom Brady, for a long time. And, of course, that turned out to not be the case. I was also a firm believer in that for a long time. I mean, just the way that he prepared. Yeah. And and his ability, his, his accuracy cannot be touched. Peyton Manning, I mean, I know statistically it's not the case, and I know he had a lot of bad football games. I mean, just watching him play, I don't know that I'll 
that I've ever seen a quarterback as accurate as he as as Peyton Manning is. And and I saw a lot of Drew Brees play, and he is insanely accurate too. But the downfield accuracy, uh, you know, where it's, it's a lot harder to control that ball, and Peyton had had such a way of doing it. And Eli's ability to perform in the playoffs was always always impressive to me. Uh, he's the brunt of a lot of jokes, but you know, when you've got the clutch gene, you've got the clutch gene, and all you need is a chance. And I think Arch Manning is much in the way, very much the same. And uh, I hope to see him wearing crimson and white in the future. That'll do it for another edition of Southern Fried Sports here on a beautiful Monday afternoon. I'm going to probably head out to Alabama tradition here in a little bit. Go say hey, Charlie. Uh, we did give away our $25 gift card on Off the Edge on Friday. So uh, you know, stay tuned on the first Friday of every month on Off the Edge. That, of course, is my show, Mondays and Fridays Fridays from 7 to 9. I'll be there tonight as well, and we'll uh, continue the conversation there. I hope you'll join us. Until then, uh, the Jay Barker Show is next here on Tide 100.9, followed by the game with Ryan Fowler, and then Tide tonight, and then I'll be back with you at 7. Until then, have a good Monday, and roll tight.